0: Welcome back to the UFO and Aliens Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Black, and I hope everyone is doing well. I was thinking about how far back do UFO sightings go? Let's say it's 1750 and you see something in the sky you don't recognize. Would you tell anyone? If you did, how long would that news last? It would have to be recorded somehow. You can't share the story by word of mouth and expect it to last. How long would that last? Maybe one day your grandmother would tell you, Did you know that your grandfather saw a UFO? And that would be it. How many stories like that do you think there are out there? Forgotten. Last week I talked about the Aurora, Texas UFO, and that was 127 years ago. The only reason I think we still know about it is because it was in the newspaper. How many sightings or incidents have been lost to history? Now, if there's a mass sighting that is a UFO seen by a large number of people, someone would record the event and we would know about it, right? In some cases, absolutely yes. I've already told you about UFOs in the Bible, so I'm not going to cover that again. There is a translation and interpretation element in those cases. I don't want to get into that in this episode. Oh, by the way, there are a lot more cases in the Bible than I mentioned in episode 29. Today, I'm going to talk about eight cases of UFO sightings before UFOs were a thing. The first one happened in 329 BC. Alexander the Great records two great silver shields spitting fire around the rims in the sky that dived repeatedly at his army as they were attempting a river crossing. The action so panicked his elephants, horses, and men, they had to abandon the river crossing until the following day. The following is from UFO researcher Bruno Mancusi, who was working with historian Alexander Donsky. Quote, Alexander the Great was not the first to see them, nor was he the first to find them troublesome. He tells of two strange craft that dived repeatedly at his army until the war elephants, the men, and the horses all panicked and refused to cross the river where the incident occurred. What did the things look like? His historian describes them as great, shining, silvery shields spitting fire around the rims, things that came from the skies and return to the skies. Frank Edwards, the noted American UFO reporter, also dug into this story, and this is what he found. Quote This remarkable incident was apparently paralleled by an equally fantastic visitation during the siege of Tyre by Alexander in three hundred thirty two BC. The fortress would not yield. Its walls were fifty feet high and constructed so solidly that no siege engine was able to damage it. The Tyrians disposed of the great technicians of builders of war machines of the time, and they intercepted the in the air the incendiary arrows and projectiles hurled by catapults on the city. One day, suddenly there appeared over the Macedonian camp these flying shields, as they had been called which flew in triangular formation, led by an exceedingly large one. The others were smaller by almost half. In all, there were five. The unknown chronicler narrates that they circled slowly over Tyre, while thousands of warriors on both sides stood and watched them in astonishment. Suddenly, from the largest shield came a lightning flash that struck the walls. These crumbled. Other flashes followed, and walls and towers dissolved, as if they had been built of mud, leaving the way open for the besiegers who poured like an avalanche through the breaches. The flying shields hovered over the city until it was completely stormed. Then they very swiftly disappeared aloft, soon melting into the blue sky. They described them as shiny, silvery shields. That is exactly what a flying saucer looks like. This is the first instance where UFOs actually interfered with what men were doing, except for the UFOs in the Bible, of course. If thousands of men on the ground saw the same thing, and it was described the same way, what else could it be than a flying saucer? But, just for the sake of argument, only one person was writing it down. We don't have signed affidavits from thousands of soldiers, Just trying to see both sides. Number two. A rare typeset book from 1493 contains what may be the earliest pictorial representation of a UFO. The book Lieber Chronicarum, or commonly known to as the Nuremberg Chronicle, describes a strange fiery sphere seen in 1034 soaring through the sky in a straight course from south to east and then veering toward the setting sun. The illustration accompanying the account shows a cigar-shaped form haloed by flames sailing through a blue sky over a green rolling countryside. This may be the first work that actually contains actual illustrations of UFOs. The Nuremberg Chronicle is one of the best documented early printed books. The Chronicle is an illustrated world history. It was first published in Latin on June 12, 1493, and was quickly followed by a German translation on December 23, 1493. Scholars estimate that 1,400 to 1,500 Latin and 700 to 1,000 German copies were published. A document from 1509 records that 539 Latin versions and 60 German versions had not been sold. Approximately 400 Latin and 300 German copies survived into the 21st century. Its author is Harman Schiedel, while George Alt is credited with the German translation. The prominent artist is Albrecht Dürer, who was an apprentice during the making of the woodblock illustrations. As was common at the time, the book did not have a title page. Latin scholars referred to it as Liber Chronicarum, Book of Chronicles as the phrase appears in the index introduction of the Latin edition. English speakers have long referred to it as the Nuremberg Chronicle, after the city in which it was published. German speakers refer to it as Schiedel's World History, in honor of its author. This is the first humanistic and scholastic world history in Germany. It is a pictorial history of the world, and they include the story of a fiery sphere flying through the air in the history of the world. Imagine seeing this back in 1493. It had to be absolutely amazing. I think the book is more interesting than the story of the UFO that's in it. It is filled with colored pictures. There are more than 1,800 illustrations. I have to imagine that they were hand-colored. One of these books today would sell for between 200000 and $300,000. And there is a UFO in it. It must have been a big deal back then. And what's remarkable is that the UFO was seen in 1034. That's more than 450 years before it was recorded in this book. People have been talking about it, writing about it, and even drawing about it. Maybe it wasn't the only one seen. Maybe they had been seeing these things periodically for hundreds of years. Number three. Just before the Nuremberg Chronicle is published, Christopher Columbus spots a UFO on his voyage to the New World. This is from The Life and Voyages of Christopher Columbus. Quote, Christopher Columbus and Pedro Gutierrez, while on the deck of the Santa Maria, observed a light glimmering at a great distance. It vanished and reappeared several times during the night, moving up and down, in sudden and passing gleams. It was sighted four hours before the land was sighted, and taken by Columbus as a sign they would soon come to land. From the Water UFO dot net site, quote, even Christopher Columbus, it appears, saw a UFO. While patrolling the deck of the Santa Maria at about ten p.m. on October eleventh, fourteen ninety two, Columbus thought he saw a light glimmering at great distance. He hurriedly summoned Pedro Gutiérrez a gentleman of the king's bedchamber, who also saw the light. After a short time, it vanished, only to reappear several times during the night, each time dancing up and down in sudden passing gleams. The light, first seen four hours before land was sighted, was never explained. Okay, first of all, how did they know it was 10 o'clock? How did they keep time in 1492? I'm pretty sure they didn't have watches. They could have used sundials, but only during the day. They had to use an astrolabe or quadrant to take readings from the stars. Imagine waking up in the middle of the night and trying to figure out what time it was. Regarding the lights that were moving up and down, a lot of debunkers have claimed that since they were so close to land, what Columbus was seeing were torches of natives in the mountains. They appeared to be going up and down because of the movement of the ship. Not the lights. But Columbus was an experienced sailor. Wouldn't he be able to tell if the movement of the lights was because of the ship bobbing up and down? You would think so. Columbus also said the lights looked like a menorah. He should have kept his mouth shut about that one because he got a visit from the Spanish Inquisition. Number four. At dawn on April fourth, fifteen sixty one, in the sky of Nuremberg, A lot of men and women saw a very alarming spectacle where various objects were involved, including balls, approximately three in a row, from time to time, four in a square. Much remained insulated, and between these balls, one saw a number of crosses with the color of blood. Then one saw two large pipes, in which small and large pipes were three balls, also four or more. All of these elements started to fight against the other. The events lasted one hour and had such repercussions that an artist, Hans Glaze, drew a woodcut of it at the time. It describes two immense black cylinders launching many blue and black spheres, blood red crosses, and flying disks. They seemed to fight a battle in the sky it also seems that some of these spheres and objects have crashed outside the city. According to the Nuremberg Gazette, the dreadful apparition filled the morning sky with cylindrical shapes from which emerged black, red, orange, and blue white spheres that darted about. Between the spheres, there were crosses with the color of blood. This frightful spectacle was witnessed by numerous men and women Afterwards, a black, spear-like object appeared. The author of the Gazette warned that the God-fearing will by no means discard these signs, but will take it to heart as a warning of their merciful Father in Heaven, will mend their lives and faithfully beg God that He avert His wrath, including the well-deserved punishment on us so that we may, temporarily here and perpetually there, live as His children. In the same year, a Lutheran clergyman on progress front in Nuremberg wrote, quote, God the Almighty has placed in the heavens many horrible and hitherto unheard of signs. We have seen far more signs now than in any other year. The sun and the moon have been darkened on a number of occasions. A crucifix in the sky was seen, as were beers and coffins with black men beside them. Further, rods and whips and many other signs were seen in a multiple of places, and scarcely a year has passed of late without an eclipse of the sun or moon. A broadsheet that dates from 1561, held in the Wikiana collection of Switzerland's Zurich Central Library, describes an ancient battle of UFOs over the skies of Nuremberg, Germany, on April 4th of that very same year. At sunrise, Many people witnessed large numbers of dark red, blue, and black globes, or plates, near the sun. Some three in a row, now and then four in a square, also some alone. And amongst those globes, some blood-colored crosses were seen. The document also refers to two great tubes in which three or four or more globes were seen. Then they all began to fight each other. This went on for about an hour until they all fell from the sun and the sky to the earth, producing a lot of steam. Beneath the globes, a long object that looked like a great black spear was also described as being seen. One of the most astounding of the documented sightings of aerial phenomena took place in 1561 over Nuremberg, Germany. What was described could only be called a war in the heavens with a wide variety of craft ranging from spheres to spear-like cylinders to crosses, the sky was apparently filled with the machines clashing in battle. Comets and such things were well identified and charted in this period, so it is highly unlikely that what people witnessed was merely a celestial phenomenon like a meteor shower, as some debunkers suggest. Rather, what is described are physical objects, of unique detail and shapes, in battle for over an hour. The battle was such that a winner was perceived as well. Spheroid UFOs were seen emerging from cylindrical motherships. At the conclusion of the battle, it seems a magnificent, black, spear-like supership of some kind came upon the scene. Like I said regarding the Nuremberg Chronicle, maybe there were things in the sky for a while. There was definitely something in the air after the 1034 event. Five years after the 1561 event in Nuremberg, there is another woodcut showing UFOs in the sky, only this time in Switzerland. Number five. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior, With your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. A 16th century woodcutting depicts a scene in which dark spheres were witnessed hovering over the town of Basel, Switzerland in 1566. On August 7th, 1566, at dawn, many citizens of Basel, Switzerland, frightened, saw during several hours the black spheres involved in a formidable aerial battle, invading the sky of their city. At the time when the sun rose, one saw many large black balls, which moved at high speed in the air towards the sun, then made half turns, banging one against the others as if they were fighting a battle, out a combat. A great number of them became red and igneous. Thereafter, they were consumed and died out. Wrote Samuel Coquius, the student in crowned writings and liberal arts who consigned the strange events to the city's Gazette. The woodcut looks a lot like the woodcut from the battle over Nuremberg woodcut. It has a sun in the sky with a bunch of orbs filling the rest of the sky. Was there a battle in Switzerland just five years after the one in Nuremberg? I saw somewhere that in Nuremberg, people were having picnics and watching the battle take place. Number six. Edmund Halley, the astronomer who discovered Halley's Comet, could recall two accounts involving unidentified craft. His first experience was in March of 1676, when he saw a, quote, vast body apparently bigger than the moon. He estimated it at 40 miles above him. He also stated that it made a noise, quote, like the rattling of a great cart over stones, end quote. After estimating the distance it traveled in a matter of minutes, he came to the conclusion that it moved at a speed greater than 9,600 miles per hour. I couldn't find information on his second sighting. But can you imagine what the sky looked like during Haley's time? He was born in 1656 and died in 1742. There was no light pollution during his life. On a clear night, the sky would have been lit up with stars. The Milky Way would have been very clear. Plus, he had an observatory. He probably saw a lot of things that he couldn't explain. Do you think that he could have been in some kind of trouble with the crown or the church if he said that he had seen craft from other planets? Would that have challenged people's belief in God? Number seven. There was recorded in a picture a UFO sighting over Hamburg, Germany on November 4th, 1697. The objects were described as two glowing wheels. I don't know the medium that this was made, but like many UFO pictures, it's grainy. It is black and white, and in the foreground, it depicts a bunch of people looking and pointing to the sky. In the sky on the far right is a globe. It is the smallest thing in the picture, and I think it's the moon. The other two orbs, roughly in the center, are more than twice as big as the moon. Each orb has what looks like two bands crossing them, and the picture shows light emitting from the orbs. This was probably a famous event for the time. Number 8 On August 18, 1783, at 9.45 p.m., four witnesses standing on the terrace of Windsor Castle, observed a luminous object in the skies of the home counties of England. The sighting was recorded the following year in the Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society, who relates what witnesses observed, an oblong cloud moving more or less parallel to the horizon. Under this cloud could be seen a luminous object which soon became spherical, brilliantly lit, which came to a halt. This strange sphere seemed at first to be pale blue in color, but then its luminosity increased, and soon it set off again towards the east. Then the object changed direction and moved parallel to the horizon before disappearing to the southeast. The light it gave out was prodigious. It lit up everything on the ground. End quote. There was an illustration done of the event. It showed six people standing on an open terrace looking out across the countryside. In the sky, there are some clouds and an orb in the center left. It also shows the orb moving off to the right. So, that is eight cases of UFO sightings from before the Common Era. That leads me to believe that the UFO phenomenon has been going on for a really long time. People didn't have the technology that we have today, so the only way to record what they were seeing would be through art. There are many pieces of art that depict UFOs in the background. There is a 15th century painting called the Madonna and St. Giovannino that appears to have a UFO painted in the background. It is commonly referred to as the Madonna del UFO. In the Annunciation with St. Emidius 1486, there appears to be a flying saucer sending a beam through a wall and hitting Mary's head while she has been over reading a book. In Art de Gelder, Baptism of Christ, 1710, there is an obvious disc in the sky sending down four beams to Jesus and John the Baptist, illuminating them as John baptizes Jesus before a crowd of onlookers. There is a picture by an unknown artist showing a huge UFO hovering above a burning church, and the caption below translated from German reads, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. In an interesting painting hung above the altar in a monastery in Kosovo, two UFOs are seen on both top corners. In the right corner UFO, the pilot seems to be looking back at the craft behind them. And neither of these pilots have a halo around them, which discards the possibility of them being divine beings. There are tons of these paintings around that show UFOs. Most of them are religious paintings, so there are some people who would claim that the items that resemble UFOs are representations of angels or God or whatever. But it was obvious that they look remarkably like the UFOs that are reported today. How far back do these sightings go? There are petroglyphs on rock walls with what appear to be UFOs and aliens. So, I guess they go back thousands of years. The proof is out there if you just take time to look and keep an open mind. Doing the research for this episode has led me down the path towards the ancient astronaut theory. It looks like my next episode is going to be about the ancient astronaut theory, and it's not going to be like the History Channel's ancient aliens. Remember, believe none of what you hear and half of what you read. If you like the show, I'd like to encourage you to help support the show. You can help me out with just $3 a month. Just go to the website and click on support. I would really appreciate the help and would be happy to give you a shout out. In addition to that, I will send you a beautiful UFO and Aliens podcast sticker. These are really cool and you really want one. You can put it on your laptop, your back car window, or wherever. Do you have a UFO story you'd like to share? Is there a UFO story you'd like for me to look into? Just send me an email at UFOandAlienPodcast at gmail.com. I'm Rick Black.